Welcome to Wizards After Dark. I'm Fred Katz, your host. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. The Wizards lost tonight. Broke the three-game winning streak. They can only have nice things for so long. 115 to 104 to Brooklyn. This is where the tough stretch starts. I mean, they got seven straight games against probable teams over 500. Possible playoff teams coming up after this. Uh, I guess this is one they should have won. I'm putting in air quotes there, but like I don't think you can say a team that's five and ten should win any game. Uh, Wall maybe his worst game of the season. Beal maybe his worst game of the season. Dwight Howard played well, 25 and 17, but he fouled out and he battled foul trouble all night. D'Angelo Russell really balled out. He had 23, and uh, Spencer Dimwitty had 25 off the bench. I'm here with Brian Lewis from the New York Post, my hometown paper. How you doing? I'm wonderful. Uh, not as one. Uh, I, I'm doing a lot better than the Wizards. <laughs> well, that's not a high standard. No, it's a very low standard. Um, what worked so well for the Nets tonight? Well, when you look at the statute, one of the things that jumps out to me that worked well is something that they concentrate on, which is running people off the three-point line. They never want to say we're giving up any shots, but everybody knows you have to give up something. So they want to give up the lower-value shots. They're trying to avoid threes and dunks and they'll give you the mid-range now obviously you're around washington a lot more than i am but from what i've seen washington's actually taken a fair amount of threes this year and to only get up 17 and only make three of them that tells me at least defensively the nets got done what they wanted to get done at least after that first quarter which i'm sure they probably don't want to discuss when they gave up 60 percent shooting but after that and they settled in. They got done what they wanted to defensively. Yeah, the thing the thing with the Wizards that I've kind of preached is the reason for optimism. Uh, you know, if, if you want to try to be optimistic about this team, the thing to find is that, like, their shot profile on both sides of the ball is pretty good. Like, they don't give up many shots at the rim. They're top ten in the fewest, uh, you know, number of shots they give up at the rim in terms of the percentage of the field goals they allow. They give up, I think, the fewest corner threes – in the NBA, uh, they don't give up a ton of threes overall. They're like middle of the pack in terms of the percentage of the shots that they allow that come from the three-point line. They give up a lot of mid-range shots. They're top 10 in, in allowing uh, you know the percentage of shots they allow to come from mid-range. The Nets are pretty similar on that. Yeah. And defensively, like that's a reason why a, a defense that has that breakdown is probably not going to be the worst in the NBA. It doesn't necessarily have to be great. Probably not going to be the worst in the NBA. Offense is pretty similar. They, they're in the top half of the league, percentage of the shots that come to the rim. They're top 10 in the league, percentage of the shots that come from three. And tonight it was like, so I talked to John, we talked to John Wall in the scrum after the game. And I asked John, like, were you happy with the process that you guys took on those possessions that led to all those mid-range shots? And he said, yeah. And he pointed out that the Nets play a drop coverage and they're giving up the mid-range and they want you taking that. It's like, but you don't need to take those with 16 seconds on the shot clock. You can kick out into another action. Like you can, you the Nets will be just as willing to give you that shot with two seconds left on the shot clock than they are with 16. And like that's where their process was totally messed up offensively tonight. And that's how they end up shooting three for 17 from three, fewest threes they've taken in a game this year. And like Nets play really fundamental, well coached defense, and they play hard as hell. And they're clearly very well coached. I think it's then Kenny Atkinson is is a good coach. But, like, a lot of this was self-inflicted with the Wizards, I thought. No, I would agree. I mean, the, the Nets are a decent fundamental defensive team. I wouldn't say that they have a ton of individual gloves. 
out there. Uh, their best perimeter defender won't be around for months in Karis LeVert. Uh, and their best interior defender, it's kind of dodgy who I could even say that is. I guess I would say that is Jared Allen. Um, but today he was facing a guy who's been his nemesis and has just tortured him since he's been in the NBA. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say there are opportunities to score on this team, but uh, the way the Wizards looked, I mean, they were a little bit on the dysfunctional side, and those opportunities went by because they rushed through their stuff, as you accurately pointed out. Yeah, so I kind of thought in, like, the third quarter they were down one or two at this point. It was before the Nets went on their run and really went up double digits and, and blew the game open. I kind of thought that the Wizards were going to win the game, even though they were down a couple points, just because Dinwiddie was playing great, and Dinwiddie's a good player, and Russell was playing great, but but they played particularly well mm-hmm. compared to you know how they normally play tonight. And meanwhile, Beal's having his worst game of the year, and Wall's been particularly bad in terms of his decision making, shot selection, all that stuff. And I figured there's no way both Beal and Wall are going to play this poorly all night. Don't be misled by the line. I mean, Wall had 16 and 7, which is not horrible. Beal had 20 on 8 of 19 shooting. I thought both were just off. Like, it doesn't it, feel like Wall had 16 and 7. I mean, no. if I weren't looking at the stat sheet, it felt like he had maybe 11 points and 4 assists and shot poorly and had a worse plus minus than that. That's how it felt watching mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It did. I think part of it was that they kind of went on like a garbage time run because they were down like 20. Like, and then they went on a garbage time run because they left their. Yeah, they left their starters in late. And like, if Scott Brooks pulls the starters at a normal time with like three and a half minutes left or whatever, and they're down 20, then all of a sudden, you know, John Mull's plus minus is minus 20. And like the starters go on their run. It was like pointless. It It was a pointless garbage time run when the starters could have been out of the game. I just I, – I didn't think they were good. They were bad defensively tonight too. I mean, Dinwiddie was driving by him. The Nets were kicking the threes. The Nets went 9 of 33 from three. They could have made more. They and missed that, some right, that, That's threes. about what they'll do in terms of getting threes up. Sometimes they'll get up a few more. But obviously in terms of the nine, I mean, they left some points on the board there. I mean, there were opportunities. But, I mean, there were wide open looks that Joe Harris doesn't generally miss. Um, that he could knock down tonight. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple more that uh, – who was it who missed a couple of open looks? Well, Dudley missed a couple of Dudley open looks too. Dudley missed a few open looks. Alan Crabb missed a few open looks. Now, the way this season has gone for him, that's not unusual. Yeah, um, Crabb's numbers are weird. Uh, they're very strange. And when you – mechanically, you can tell he's a shooter. You know he can shoot. A, because the back of his car tells you that. I don't know. Kids even collect cards anymore still? I don't even know. <laughs> I used to collect cards. I don't think anybody does yeah, that. They don't do that anymore. But, uh, okay, well, the, his, his basketball reference website tells you that he can shoot. <laughs> that does uh, sound right. way worse. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So we know he can shoot, but he just, for the second year in a row, he got hurt in camp, and it set him back. And, you know, when he gets in funks, they just last a while. Uh, and this one is even more pronounced than last year. I mean, he was shooting 25%. That's, that's pretty inexcusable for a guy making $18.5 million a year. 
Um, so I'm not that shocked that, you know, he was having a hard time getting them to go down. But Joe Harris, I mean, easily, easily could have had six or seven more points tonight. Yeah. So this is actually going to be a quick episode. Brian's got a – it's like 1130 right now, and Brian's actually – Brian's a trooper. Brian's got to drive back to New York tonight, so he's going to be getting in super late. You're going to be speeding like crazy at this hour. <laughs> but Brian's got to drive back tonight, so he was nice enough to come on still. We're doing, we're doing a pretty quick one. We're going to wrap up in a sec. Uh, before we do, any, uh, any other observations that you think are relevant before we go? Uh, not so much an observation. I'm just – I'm very fascinated to watch uh, how this season plays out for Washington. I really am. I'm fascinated – to see, one, how the chemistry ends up on this roster by the end of the year. And I'm fascinated to see between Wall and Beal and Porter, which one, if any, are not here past the trade deadline. I mean, Porter, obviously, I mean, it's obviously been written about to death, um, his contract. And he's another guy who, uh, obviously, he's Thanks to the Nets. Right, exactly. Well, they Sean Marks has given out a lot of venomous contracts in his short time with the Nets, and that's another one. Uh, but I'm fascinated to see. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a match there. I, 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 you know, I look at Alan Crabb, and this is a guy that's making $37 million for two years, including this one. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't have him in front of me, but, I mean, I look at Otto Porter, and he's making, what, 81 and change? Yeah. <laughs> Over three years, I, you know. I'm I'm curious. I, I can't imagine that Washington keeps all of these guys in a season like this. So I'm I'm just fascinated to see where that goes. Yeah, and you know it's something we I, we all talked about this stretch that they just had. It was five straight games against real teams that are under 500, and really like a good team beats. I'm not going to say teams the Washington should beat because there are no more teams that I'm going to say they should beat. I'm just going to stop saying that. But teams that good teams should beat they went three and two in that stretch they lost in orlando they beat miami they beat orlando at home they beat cleveland at home that was the one blowout and then they lose at home to the nets who don't have karis lavert the nets are well coached and all that but like a good team wins this game especially a good team that's gotten out to a slow start and and the way the net that the uh wizards lost tonight again it's just disconcerting it was poor process it was you know, just kind of lack of effort. It was them kind of lashing out at referees. It was, the you know, the body language experts were out again. Like, it was just kind of the same symptoms that we saw. And it's problematic because now they've got Portland at home. Portland, they won in Portland. God knows how. But they won in Portland already. Portland is really good. They're going to come into place. <laughs> yes, and, and Portland is really good, and they play hard, and Portland's got a great culture. And, like, they're going to want to come in. They're going to want to beat up on the Wizards because the Wizards just beat them in a close overtime game in their place, you know, less than a month ago. They're going to want to do that. Then they got the Clippers. Clippers play crazy hard, and they play crazy together. That That's like a team's team, you know? They've got New Orleans. They've got at Toronto – like, they've got seven straight games where the worst team that they play over seven games is either New Orleans or the Clippers. Like, that's a tough seven. <laughs> that is a tough seven games. And they're five and 10 right now. If they wanted to be in good shape after those seven games, I thought they kind of, it's kind of unreasonable to say you have to go on a five game winning streak, but I thought they had to beat all these five bad teams. And now they're going into this five, five and 10 against those seven games. Like, those seven teams, like, 
they those they could reasonably go two and five in that stretch. I don't think that's unreasonable. No, it, I think that's they very could, reasonable. They could reasonably go one and six, but I mean, if we're talking about they, they go two and five in that stretch, now all of a sudden they're seven and 15, 22 games into the season. You've dug yourself a hole. Like, yeah, you're in the Eastern Conference, and it looks like the eight seed could be a 38 win team, but like, you are seven and fifteen. No. That that's a hole. That's yeah, a real hole. You mind how much you want to pay for? Yeah, that squad. exactly. And that's how also... much do you want to pay for that roster? I'm right. I'm you know I'm not the sort that ever tells a grown man what to do with his money. I'm just very curious to see what kind mm-hmm. of decisions they make going forward by by New Year's. And we're also they talking about some tough decisions. right. Well, you say by New Year's. So like when you're seven and fifteen, all of a sudden the deadline is not all right. They have to have a good record by April. It's they have to have a good record by February. Right. Because if you get to February and you're still six games under 500, there are going to be some decisions made and they're going to have to decide at the trade deadline, is this a team that can make the playoffs? And if they are six games, five games below 500 come that time, that decision is going to be pushed a lot more in the direction of this team is not going to win together. And, I mean, this it's very possible we look back on this upcoming seven-game stretch and think this, this made, or break the, made or broke this season. That expression doesn't work so well in the past tense. Make or break is a lot better than made yeah, or break. Yeah, I get where you're going with it. Yeah, uh, but it's just, it's a big deal. Uh, plug your great work before we go. <laughs> well, read us at nypost.com Brian Lewis and if you're on Twitter, that would be nypost underscore Lewis L-E-W-I-S Great, and Brian does awesome work. New York Post Sports Action is just always killer. It's the best. We've had this discussion 500 times before, but it's the best. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Go on iTunes. Give it a five-star rating. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Brag about it on social media. Post it on your Facebook. Tweet it out. Put it on Instagram how much you're loving Wizards After Dark. The more listeners, the merrier. I will be back on Sunday following the Portland game. That will be an interesting one. We'll see uh, which Wizards team we get on Sunday night. Until then, I'll see you guys soon.